welcome to the EFL Review with me, Adam Davis, here on Three Valleys Radio. And what a weekend of football we've had. Who doesn't ever say the playoffs aren't entertaining? We have six matches to cover over the next hour that have taken us across all three divisions. Of course, plenty of excitement in and around the footballing world that always arrives at the playoffs. And of course, a weekend where we've seen plenty of change in a certain green and white persuasion. As always, you can expect the same level of insight, analysis and interviews that you come to expect every single week. So, without further ado, let's kick off with the Championship playoffs and we'll start with the Saturday night game. And that finished Sunderland 2, Luton Town 1. Sunderland's unlikely Championship playoff adventure rolled on with an impressive semi-final first leg victory over Luton Town. The Black Cats only scraped into the top six on the final day of the season but were outstanding, extending their unbeaten run to 10 games and ending the Hatters' own 14-game streak. It all started well for Luton when Sunderland failed to clear a corner and Elijah Adebayo was on hand to thrash the rebound into the roof of the net after Alfie Doherty's point-blank strike was saved brilliantly by Anthony Patterson. However, the home side wrestled control of midfield, dominated possession and levelled when Pelly, Ruddock and Panzu left Patrick Roberts in a heap. Alex Pritchard touched the ball off the free kick and Amad Diallo's stunning left-footed curler nestled into the top corner beyond a static Ethan Horvath. Again, one of the few ones that, uh, if you haven't already seen this on social media, seriously, go and check it out. That is a brilliant goal by Diallo. There was little change of momentum after the break as Jack Clark fired just wide from a Roberts centre and the provider almost turned scorer when he cut inside and a low drive trickled just wide. The goal that had been coming arrived when Clark bent in a cross for Trey Hume to bullet ahead of beyond Horvath for the lead. Luton rallied with Sunderland continuing to pick them off on the break and Clark's block to deny the visitors with the last kick of the game proved crucial as it put the Wearsiders 90 minutes from a second the playoff final in as many seasons. I think the best way to describe this would be confidence flowing on a proud day for the hosts. This felt like a free hit for Sunderland, let's be honest, as ridiculous as it sounds, given the way they have gatecrashed the party on the final day of the season, and their lack of nerves showed with a confident display. Not even when they went a goal down did heads drop, either on the field or in the stands, as that solidarity proved key amid a febrile atmosphere powered by 46,060 spectators. By contrast, Luton had been planning for this for some weeks, but never got a grip of the side that preferred swashbuckling to sitting back, and whose positivity and position caused them huge problems. Having got a goal by loading the box with their physicality, the Hatters were not allowed such supremacy again, as Sunderland took away their supply line and possession and moved the ball sharply through the lines. After a quiet start and a rip-snorter of a goal, Diallo seemed to have a glint in his eye, and that wizardry flowed. While Clark's relentless shuffling down the left, Pritchard's array of subtle touches and Roberts's dazzling footwork believed uh, belied the lack of a centre-forward, in inverted commas, and the presence that comes with it. Not bad for the man that Manchester United, of course, paid £30 million for only two years ago from Atalanta. Credit must go to the makeshift back line when Luke O'Neill, Hume and Lyndon Gooch composed throughout. Luton know they can play better and will seek home comforts when they host the second leg at Kenilworth Road on Tuesday night. For Sunderland, it is a case of patching up their threadbare squad and hoping that Pritchard's hobble off at the end is nothing serious for the trip south. 
So, back-to-back interviews to start off with. First, we will hear from Sunderland boss Tony Mowbray and then Luton manager Rob Edwards. Tony, 2-1 win over Luton Town in the first leg. What's your take on today's game? As we thought, tight game. Obviously, we went down to a a set player really early on in the game. The first corner they had, we couldn't get rid of it. They won the first contact and then they won the second contact. Oh, um, you know, we try and work really hard, and I, and I think over the the ninety odd minutes, we did very, very well against them on the set plays, and um, and strangely enough, we scored from a set play very similar to their goal against us in the league. Out here, really, a free kick on the edge of the box that was touched inside and bent in, and um, Ahmed is obviously he's, he's a magician with his left peg, and he scored many goals like that this season, and so. Um, it's no surprise to anybody. It, um, it was a great goal, and the second one we'd, we'd been talking about keeping the ball alive and taking quick corners and playing around the edge of their box. And um, it was a flat cross in and, and a brilliant goal. So, yeah, two one into the into the next leg. Nobody's getting carried away. We know how tough it is at Luton. They, you know, they flood your box. They've got lots of big players. You've got to try and deny them set players and corners. But um, and they showed tonight they're a good football team. They moved the ball around well. They've got some very athletic players and some talented individuals. And so. We have to get ready and start feeling as if it's nil-nil and go to Luton and try and get a positive result. Going down a goal early can always be quite flattening, but hard work's just always a prerequisite for any, anyone on your side, and the lads just show that in abundance today. I think it's important when you've got a when you when you've got a stadium and a support base like this, you have to you have to show the fans that we are working really, really hard. And, and I felt the stadium was amazing today. And, and listen, it, 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 it's a huge boost. It's almost like a twelfth man, and I'm sure that's been said many, many times at this football club over the years. But when they're wrapped up in their football team and enjoying even the tackles, the winning it back, the running for each other, the, that sort of stuff is just as important as the shots and the crosses and the flashing across the goal. And um, and the team understand that, and they work really, really hard um, against a really big strong experienced football team tonight and we got a decent result any 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 positive result was good for us tonight a, a draw would have been would have been a good result as well but to go with a goal advantage is really good as you mentioned there collective effort from everyone to to get the victory today but singling someone out Pierre Equa felt like he didn't really there wasn't a blade of grass he didn't cover today mm-hmm. in the stadium life he's grown into the football club he's, he's amazing really the lads all love him he's uh, He's a, he's a really, really nice human being. Um, he's strong. He's got a wand of a left foot. We just, as I've told you many times, we just try and G him up sometimes to, to actually understand people are going to kick him and push him and fight with him and he has to stand up like a man and use that physicality and he did that brilliantly today. And the talent is very obvious with his left foot, how, how clever he is with his left foot and some of the little passes he plays and how, how strong he is winning it back. So... Delighted with Pierre's progression over a very short period of time since coming in January and um, alongside Dan Neal, you know, I thought they looked really solid in midfield today. Just a word on Patrick Roberts as well, had to come off in the in the second half, uh, is there anything you can tell us on that? Well, listen, first and foremost, I, about his performance, I thought it was amazing today, as good as I've seen Patrick all year, his ability to run with the ball, slip it through people's legs, play one-twos, he's just an amazing footballer. Um, He's took a knock, basically. He's quite bright in the dressing room. He's not sitting there worried that he's not going to make Tuesday. I would be hopeful that he's going to make Tuesday. Um, As with Alex Pritchard as well, you know, I would hope he's going to make Tuesday. So we just have to... um, We get them all in tomorrow. We'll see how everybody's feeling, see what it's like, and um, try and prepare to 
to travel on Monday and see if we can get a, a positive result um, against Luton at, at Kenilworth Road. Um, you mentioned after the Preston game, there's nothing achieved yet, and that I suppose it still very much remains the mantra at this moment in time as we go into the second leg on Tuesday. Yeah, I think we have to just see it as a one-off game, really, that we're going to go and try and win. We can't go with the mentality of trying to keep a hold of what we got. We haven't, we haven't got the defenders to deal with their directness. To be honest, we have we have to keep the ball away from their goal, and we have to play with the ball. So we have to go and attack, and we have to play as much as in their half of the field as we can to keep the ball away from our goal. Because if we allow them to just pile their number eights forward along with their big two strikers and their wing backs pushing on, all of a sudden they've got six players round the box, and um, it's really really dangerous. So we'll go and play as if it's nil nil, and go and try and win the game like we like we always do. Pitch side with the Luton manager Rob Edwards, 2-1 defeat, what's your verdict? Um, well, it's half-time, we're, we're right in the, in the tie, um, really challenging game as we knew it was going to be, pretty tight as we knew it was going to be, um, fantastic atmosphere as we knew it was going to be, um, I thought we had the better of the first half and then they had the better of the second half, it was a tight game. Um, they came at you right from the from the get-go, but when you got that goal, it seemed it had settled down a little bit. Yeah, I think it settled down before a little bit before the goal, to be honest. Um, and I thought we had lots of control in that first that first half. We were brave with the ball, um, tried to take it, and, uh, and we still remained a threat even when we scored. Um, Eli had a big chance then. You know, we've had one or two good moments, and um, yeah, really really happy at half time second half I just felt we could have been better with the ball in, in, in certain moments we won the ball back and we gave it back too cheaply and um, when we had the chance to counter attack then we, we just didn't make it up and made the wrong decision or technically we just we gave the ball away so in those moments we've got to be better hmm. I'm going to say it was it was an unlike Luton performance in fair, in some in some regards you say those those errors in there which were in for, forced because they were right at it were all over you yeah you expect them to be yeah. to be right at it and I think we forced them into a lot as well you know so I think it was uh, tight in that respect they've got really good individuals I thought our pressing uh, 1v1 defending in the main was very very good you know, and the, the goals that they've scored have come from a, an amazing free kick and, a, and a, a corner, short corner. So we've got to be better in those moments, but they've not cut us open. Um, and we had one or two opportunities to do better in, you know, in, um, in our attacking. And that's what we've got to work on for, for Tuesday. The front two are up against us on makeshift defence. Would you have liked a little bit more, um, not necessarily from them, but to them to give them more of a, an opportunity to threaten? We talked about later on in the game. The thing is, on a big pitch and you know, in this kind of game, if it becomes true transitional, it really suits them as well. So it was on to be able for us to try and be able to keep the ball as well. You go too direct too soon and, and, we, and we lose it, then the game becomes a bit more suited to them because we're open and we've lost it. So we have to go in with quality. So we have to try and work our way in at times as well. Um, but of course, we want to try and use them and utilise them. We'll, I think it probably will be easier to do that on Tuesday night. Mm. It's a big open pitch here, isn't it? There's, you know, whereas the sort of tight atmosphere at Kenilworth Road might uh, be better suited. Exactly. I, I think, yeah, we can play probably a slightly different game on Tuesday night. Slightly different personnel. I mean, you've got options, haven't you? Should you should you need to uh, to shuffle it around? It's too early to tell now. I'll have a look at it. We'll review the game and we'll see where we're at. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll pick the team that we think can win the game. One or two knocks out there. Tom Lockyer looks as though he might have to come off at one point, but obviously battled on as, as Tom Lockyer does. That's what he does. Carton the same. So there's one or two bumps and bruises like they had. Um, so we've got to recover. That all all the focus now for the lads and the staff is on recovery. The coaching team now will work on reviewing the game and and. Um, and trying to make sure that we get the right uh, decisions
conditions for Tuesday night? Um, noisy, um, great atmosphere, fantastic support, but we can do noise at Kenilworth Road. We can do noise at Kenilworth Road and we're going to need it. We, we, we need it. We need to bring that. Um, they were well up for it tonight. I know our, I know our lot will be up for it on, on Tuesday and it's half time. I've got to stress that. We're right in the game. Everyone knows that. It's 2-1, 90 minutes at least of football to go. Um, so we need everyone behind us for the whole duration of the game. And the lads will give everything. We know that. What's the mood in there? They looked quite, well, they understand, we looked disappointed as they came off because they're not used to losing. No, we haven't lost many games for a long, long time. We, I'm seeing this as half-time. Of course, it's a, a game of football, I, I get it, but there's still a long way to go in this. Uh, and we have to see it that way and we have to believe. And I've told the lads, we've got, I've got undoubted full, full belief in them uh, that, they can, that they can do this and, and that they will. Um, so again, we've got to recover, we've got to focus, we've got to eat well, we've got to try and sleep well, because the turnaround time for us is difficult. We've had to travel all the way up here mm -hmm. and then we've got to go back again. You know, they've just got to travel down before the two games. So it probably doesn't favour us in terms of that. So we've got to recover really, really well now and get ourselves up for Tuesday, which won't be hard to do. No. And how big a part can the fans play? Oh, huge, massive. You see it today, it's a cauldron. Um, it's hard to hear yourself think. But I thought the lads dealt with that really, really well, especially in that first half. So um, I'm really pleased with massive elements of what the lads did tonight and, and how we performed and the bravery that they showed. We know we could be better in certain areas, but we're right in the game. And I think anyone, uh, you know, half-time in these kinds of games, in these semi-finals, you want to be going back home in the game, and you certainly are. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, I really should have put a bit of a uh, a bit of a caveat on the whole of tonight's episode. You're going to hear a lot of it's only half time across most of the interviews because, as always, managers have very little to say of their own. Coventry City nil, Middlesbrough nil. Coventry failed to register a single effort on target as they were held to a goalless draw by Middlesbrough in the Championship playoff semi-final first leg at the CBS Arena. That's the Rico to you and I. Michael Carrick's Borough were the greater threat in a tense but poor contest. Borough came closest to scoring when Tuba Akpom and Isaiah Jones brought first-half saves from keeper Ben Wilson. But Mark Robbins' Sky Blues will need to significantly improve in Wednesday's second leg at the Riverside if they wish to progress. The Championship's two top scorers, 28-goal Tuba Akpom and Coventry's 21-goal striker Victor Gurkarez, managed just one effort on target between them. Riley McGree set up Akpom inside the box, but his right-footed shot was not quite powerful enough to beat Wilson, who touched the Middlesbrough forward shot onto the bar. Wilson then had to be alert again at his near post to save bravely from Jones after a misplaced Callum Doyle pass that had been cut out. And Akpom might have done better when he headed McGree's left-wing cross narrowly wide just a minute after the restart. But it was the nearest either goal came to being threatened after that, and that was Paddy McNair's in-swinging corner in injury time, which swung in more closely than initially appeared comfortable and ended up missing Wilson's left post by mere inches. I think we can definitely tell this was a game where there was a lot of high stakes. It was very, uh, very tense and really, as a result, it very rarely uh, ended up in, let's say, lots of attacking possession. The tension of the occasion was on a very pleasant Sunday lunchtime, we must say, in Coventry in front of a sporadically fever pitch, 28,874 crowd, was down to the size of the stakes on offer for Coventry and Middlesbrough. Coventry have not played Premier League football since their 34-year-long stay in the top flight ended under Gordon Strachan in 2001, and this is comfortably the closest they have come back to getting there in the 22 years since.
Their story over the past decade in particular has been all the more remarkable. Two more relegations, two changes of owner and two stadium moves and a problematic eight years of ground sharing with rugby club Wasps. But their progress in the six years since Mark Robbins came back to the club, having helped them put things right on the pitch despite all the ongoing issues that remained off it. Middlesbrough, by contrast, have been exiled from the top flight for only six years, but they too have been back on an upward curve since Michael Carrick arrived on Teesside in late October. When Coventry won 1-0 at home to Borough early in the season, both teams were in the bottom three. But since then, Michael Carrick's side have had the best record in the Championship, better even than champions Burnley, and good enough to lift them from 21st to 4th. Five points better off than Coventry, who lift themselves, uh, who, who themselves came from even further back, having at one stage been bottom. With either Sunderland or Luton waiting for them in the final, this tie could not have been more in the balance when the two teams lined up again on Teesside in midweek. And Coventry can head north with positive memories of their only previous experience of the playoffs in 2018, when Robbins' men were held at home in the first leg by Notts County, but won the second leg 4-1. Very, very exciting, that one. Certainly one I will be tuning into on Wednesday night. Next interview for us now, and it's of Coventry Persuasion. First, we will hear from Coventry player Brooke Norton Cuffey, and then manager Mark Robbins. Mark, 0-0, fair results. I thought that there was very little to choose between the two sides in terms of chances created. I think they probably had the best two. Tubrak probably had the best two. Goalkeeper saved first one, and the second one he flashed out a wide of the post. Other than that, not much to talk about, I think. Uh, we're playing against a really good side. Um, it's always frustrating out of possession, but they're a really good side. And if we sort of open up too much, they've got players that can hurt you. But like I say, you, you can respect teams, but they've got to respect us as well. You know, I think they did. They did. You know, I think we 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 respected them so much that we didn't get ourselves in a position where we could take a foothold. So certainly first half, second half, we were a lot better, um, where we were able to have the ball a little bit more and um, and really there was a 15-20 minute period in the second half where we looked like we could go and create a chance to uh, to try and hurt them but uh, yeah, dis- disappointing in terms of the chances created for both teams I would think but the, the, the energy that's been used in that game is phenomenal, you know there's, there's been so much hard work got into it. Um, they've got a really strong squad, you saw that, the bench was, was stronger today, the, potentially the team could be even stronger on Wednesday but we're right in there, you know. We're right in there, so we'll go up there and uh, and give it our best shot um, against what we know is going to be a, a really good side again. Um, but again, you said you're in a position where you've got absolutely nothing to lose. Everything shifts onto them because they're expected to win this thing, you know. So yeah, good luck. We will turn up and we will give everything um, to try and. He got an advantage on the night. I think it's a tough one to take, really. I feel like we had quite a few chances in the game. Um, we had spells, they had spells as well. It was a good game, to be fair. It was a tough game, man. I think it's not a bad result going into the next leg. Mm. I, I mentioned to the manager, obviously, if you're not going to win, don't lose, and that's certainly what you did do. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, of course, you always try to go out and win the game, but keeping clean sheets and... Um, not losing the game as well is also very important. It keeps you in it and we still have another game to play, so let's hope it goes well. 
say a 21st clean sheet, I think it was, for Ben Wilson today. He was called into action a couple of times in that first half, wasn't he, to, um, well, basically, uh, tip one from Tuba Rackpon yeah. onto the crossbar. No, Ben's been brilliant all season. Um, 21 clean sheets, it's phenomenal, really. I think he's, I think that's the record at the club mm. here. Um, yeah, he's doing brilliant, um, but it's the whole team as well, it's not just Ben. Um, the whole team fights for the clean sheet, the whole team fights for your travel and we're going to keep doing that. If you look at the match, I think Middlesbrough had the better chances, fewer of them. And I was looking at the stats as well, didn't have a, a shot on target at Coventry. Um, I didn't feel like that at all on the pitch, I felt like um, we applied a lot of pressure to them. Um, we did get into good areas, I feel like sometimes in the final third, um, we didn't have quite the quality we normally do. but. Um, again, I feel like we did put pressure on them and we had spells in the game where we, I feel like we dominated. So, Was it a bit of an odd match today, given that obviously it's a, it, you know, it's a playoff semi-final first leg, but you're up against the team that you played in the last match? Yeah, I feel like obviously they probably done their homework on us. Um, playing a team that you just played, um, you can watch analysis, you can watch free clips, you can suss things out sort of. And, Fair play to Middlesbrough, I think they've done well today to nullify some threats, but, you know, we go again on Wednesday. When I first started my business, I was hopeless at paperwork. My system involved bunging everything in a shoebox and sorting it out later, much later. Thank goodness for Chalmers Accountants. They soon put me on the right track. They work with businesses of all sizes, and they really know their stuff. Chalmers will provide you with a one-to-one -one service with your own personal account manager at one of their three local branches. For expert advice on how to make your business more successful, visit chalmersaccountants.co.uk and book your free initial consultation. At AJ Wakeley & Sons Family Funeral Directors, we know the importance of compassion and integrity. We also know how unfamiliar decisions can be so difficult at a time of family bereavement. We can provide a steadying influence just when you need it, guiding and helping you make the right decisions to reflect the kind of funeral that your loved one deserves. Visit our website, www.ajwakely.com, for more information or call Clive Wakely on 01935 479913. Moving on to League One, then, and my word, what an opening night to the playoffs that we saw on Friday night, of course. And that was in League One, and that finished Peterborough United 4, Sheffield Wednesday 0. Peterborough United belied a 19-point regular season gap to take a staggering 4-0 first leg lead over Sheffield Wednesday in a remarkable playoff semi-final. We knew they would be uh, we'd be threatening, and plenty of goals were always comfortable from Peterborough, but really this many? Jack Taylor's early opener put the hosts on the front, foot before Joe Ward's long-distance second flew into the top corner after clipping Marvin Johnson. Kwame Poku headed Posh's third soon after the restart as Wednesday contemplate playoff defeat for a second successive season. It got worse for the visitors late on as the league's joint leading scorer, Johnson Clark Harris, nodded in a fourth from close range. The Owls had a number of good chances throughout the game, but a combination of good goalkeeping by Will Norris, last-ditch defending and poor finishing leaves Darren Moore's side with a Herculean task in Thursday's second leg, if they are to make the final at Wembley later this month. 
Of course, the Owls came into the tie on a four-game winning streak, having finished the regular season on 96 points, the highest ever tally by a side not to have won automatic promotion in EFL history. Meanwhile, the hosts only made the top six thanks to Wednesday's final day win over Derby, which allowed them to sneak in after a win over fourth-placed Barnsley under returning manager Darren Ferguson. Wednesday should not been ahead inside should have been ahead inside seven minutes. Apologies when Ollie Norburn was dispossessed by Michael Smith on the edge of the centre circle, allowing the striker to bear on goal. But his low shot from the edge of the box was palmed away by Will Norris. Having survived that mistake, it was two efforts that led to Peterborough's opener. Will Vokes' poor clearance from across fell to Taylor, whose low near-post shot from 15 yards squirmed through Owls keeper Cameron Dawson, when he should have really saved it. Sheffield Wednesday almost levelled three minutes later, when Callum Patterson's goal-bound volley from a corner smashed against his teammate Josh Windass, as both sides tried to assert control of the tie. It was the hosts who did take control, and it was a good spell with the ball that saw Ward unleash a powerful strike from 25 yards that spun off Johnson and spectacularly into the top corner after clipping the underside of the bar. Norris produced another fine save from Windass from the corner of the six-yard box soon after, having seen the striker get the wrong side of his marker thanks to a precise Michael Ihikwe through ball. And the Owls should have been pulled a goal back four minutes after the restart when Barry Bannon's wonderfully floated free kick was headed wide at the back post by Ihikwe. But a minute later, it seemed as though Wednesday's hopes were over. Ephraim Mason Clark's cross from the left found an unmarked Poku and his powerful header ended a fine counter-attacking move. Peterborough top scorer Clark Harris headed a free kick just over the bar soon after as Posh took control, but with 20 minutes left, the Owls thought they had a way back. First, Johnson's shot hit Ronnie Edwards' arm on the line, but the referee did not see it, a decision you felt would have been overturned had there been VAR at the Western Home Stadium that night, before two Ihikwe efforts were cleared off the line. Any hopes that Wednesday might have of heading to Wembley were all but extinguished with nine minutes to go. Dawson acrobatically pushed a Taylor shot from close range onto the post, but the scorer of the opening goal did well to recover and clip across to Clark Harris, who nodded home from a couple of yards out at the far post. It could have been 5-0 had Dawson not saved well from Poku from inside the area in the sixth minute of added time. Is it all over for Wednesday? History suggests Sheffield Wednesday's hopes of making Wembley are over, but it does not mean Peterborough are guaranteed promotion either. This is, the only, this is only the fifth time since the playoffs began in 1987 that a side has lost by four or more goals in the first leg. The previous four all went out. They were Chesterfield beating Stockport County 4-0 in the old Division 4 playoffs in 1990 and went on to win 6-0 on Agrabagut before losing to Cambridge United in the final. Crew were 5-1 winners over Walsall in 1993's fourth-tier playoffs, and when they won 9-3 on aggregate, but lost out to a certain York City on penalties at Wembley. Barnsley's 4-0 win at Birmingham City in what is now the Championship playoffs in 2000 sent them through 5-2 on aggregate, but they lost 4-2 to Ipswich for a place in the top flight. And finally, Dagenham and Redbridge beat Morecambe 6-0 in the 2010 League 2 playoffs and the only side to register such a first-leg scoreline and go on to gain promotion. They were 3-2 winners over Rotherham at Wembley. The biggest first-leg defeat overcame in the EFL playoffs is two goals, although only five teams have reached Wembley after that being that far behind after the first leg. 
With that in mind, let's listen to Sheffield Wednesday boss Darren Moore. Um, just, um, I suppose everything that could have gone wrong tonight went wrong tonight. And uh, I just thought from the from the second goal, we never really recovered. We spoke about half-time, keeping the game tight and not giving anything away. And the next goal was going to be the most important. And once it got the third goal, I just thought the game ran away from us from that point onwards. We, we did have chances in that game. It's fair to say if they're going, it's a totally different complexion, isn't it? Yeah, we did. We, we had chances um, in the game to to sort of even at one uh, before they scored the goal at one nil we had chances at two nil we had chances to to get back in the game, but um, we conceded at the other end and weren't quite ruthless enough at the other end of the pitch. So in both boxes we weren't good enough tonight. That's it. It's going to be a tough dressing room in there tonight. What's been the message from from you to the lads in there? No, I just said to them that um, you know tonight's a poor night. Uh, and we have to own up and take responsibility in terms of the performance. On nights like this, you need the performance. And uh, the performance started off very, very strong. Um, but also at the same time, there was moments in the games where I thought we could have done better and we didn't do it, we didn't do it enough. So if you don't do enough on nights like this, you know, it accumulates and results in the performance what we saw tonight. Well, we know now it's, um, it's an uphill task. We know the message in terms of what we have to do. Uh, in terms of it and um, you know we have to tr- uh, look to regroup together and give our fans something uh, on Thursday. Very entertaining game there and on to one that was a little bit more sedate. Bolton Wanderers won, Barnsley won. Bolton and Barnsley remained locked together in the battle for a trip to Wembley following a draw in the first leg of their League One playoff semi-final in Bolton. After a goalless first half at the University of Bolton Stadium, the Reebok to you and I, the visitors took the lead when Devante Cole laid the ball back following a corner and wing-back Nicky Caden fired it low into the corner. Bolton had failed to produce an effort on target before the break, but were soon back on level terms as keeper Harry Eisted failed to deal adequately with Randall Williams' cross and the ball rebounded off Dion Charles and into the net. Bolton pushed forward with intent in search for a winner, but Matt Anderson's last-ditch tackle foiled substitute Daniel and Lundaloo as he prepared to shoot and Barnsley held out for the final whistle. Yes, that's right, Matt Anderson was fit enough in the end to play. The return leg at Oakwell will take place on Friday evening, with the winners to take on either Peterborough or Sheffield Wednesday, with of course Peterborough foil up following the first leg for a place in the championship next season. Bolton are in their first playoff campaign for 22 years and seeking to emulate Barnsley's 2016 feat of winning the EFL trophy and promotion from League One in the same season. They went into the game having taken four points from the two regular season meetings of the two sides and Ian Everett restored top scorer Charles to the starting lineup as one of six changes. Barnsley, of course, had Danish centre-back Maz Anderson back in the team after missing the past two games through injury, but were fortunate to escape conceding the opening minutes as Aaron Morley's free kick deflected off both George Johnson and Charles before rolling wide. Charles should have done better when he fired a first-time shot over the bar from Elias Kachunga's ball into the box before Barnsley, with only one win in their previous five games, responded with a ferocious 25-yarder by Luke O'Connell that keeper James Trafford was happy just to beat away. Adam Phillips flashed another effort from distance over the bar for Michael Duff's team before a loose ball fell to striker Slobodan Tedic in the area, only for Trafford to hustle with from his line to block. 
On Eurovision Song Contest Day, there were plenty of a ding-dong in the first half as both sides continued to fly in tackles, but they lacked the creativity to seriously threaten the opening goal, with Devante Cole hooking wide after holding off Bolton skipper Ricardo Santos. Eisted needed treatment for an ankle problem at the start of the second half, having landed heavily when trying to claim a cross before the break and was relieved to see a curling free kick by Morley drift beyond the far post. The visitors won at Bolton in the FA Cup earlier this season, but had not beaten them in a league game since they were both in the top flight of English football in the 1997-98 campaign. I wasn't even born. They went ahead through when Caden, a member of Forest Green Rovers League 2 promotion team in 2022, scored his sixth of the season only to fail to keep the door shut at the other end as Charles quickly levelled. Bobby Thomas had a shot charged down by Trafford and then headed over from Phillips's cross, but the best opportunity for a winner fell to Lundaloo as Connor Bradley steered the ball into his path, with Anderson's timing his sliding intervention to perfection. Barnsley secured promotion to the Championship via the playoffs in 2006, as well as a decade later. But Bolton won 3-0 in South Yorkshire in January, and they still have even even chance of a place in the final. Let's listen to Bolton Wanderers boss, Ian Everett. Yeah, half-time in effect and all, all square. Are you happy with that? I am happy, I'm, and I'm happy because we weren't at our best today. I think there's a lot more to come from us. I think it was a really tight game, really nervy game. Um, maybe the way the game went last night added a little bit more pressure to us being the home team and, and the onus being on us today. Um, I thought first half, we looked restricted. Um, we looked like... We were in two minds, a little bit safe. Um, and yeah, when they scored the goal from the set play, it kind of released the shackles a little bit and, and then we gained some more control a lot and looked a lot more like we can be. Um, as I said, it's it's nil-nil almost now going into to the second game and the onus will be on them. They'll be really positive that they've drawn here and, and at home um, the second leg. But we've shown that we're a dangerous team away from home and I think... You know, the game will be slightly different. They managed the game really well today. That's the type of team they are. Um, whether you like that or not, it's it's part of the game and you have to respect it. And and yeah, second second game, I think it'll be a little bit more open, a little bit more space for us to work in and, and hopefully we'll play with a lot more freedom. Yeah, what was important today was not to be behind for long and not be behind in the tie. And you did that yeah. thanks to a good response. 100%. Um, once they score the goal, as I said, it just looked like we we breathed a huge sigh of relief and and released the shackles and, and got back in it really quickly. Some good play down the left, but it was a really patient build-up to, to create the space and, and Dion was where we want Dion to be. And after that, you know, we had the control and, and Dan has a big chance probably to win it. James has made some great saves and against Barnsley, you always feel like you're under the cosh because of the amount of times they put the ball in the box, whether it be from a corner, from a free kick or from a long throw. They're always gaining territory, and I thought we stood up to that really well today. Um, obviously, we just want to add a bit more of our stuff into the game, and I think that will come on Friday. It's all set up, isn't it? Perfectly a big night on Friday night, as you say. You go there, 11 in the tie, down to 90 minutes, or extra time if it comes to that, and still fancy Well, uh, you know, now it's a, it's a cup final, more or less, and we know what we've done in cup finals historically this season, so fingers crossed we can repeat that performance. Plenty of excitement in League One there. So, let's move on to League Two. 
and we will start with the Greater Manchester Derby. Salford City 1, Stockport County 0. Matt Smith's scrappy goal gave Salford City a first leg win over injury hit Stockport County in the League 2 playoff semi-final. Smith got the better of Fraser Horsfall in a battle for Elliot Watts' cross. The visitors struggled without top scorer Kyle Wooten, but defended resolutely to give themselves a fighting chance in the second leg. Stockport keeper Ben Hinchcliffe produced an important second-half save to deny Conor McElhenney. Nine years since former Manchester United stars Gary and Phil Neville, Paul Scholes, Ryan Giggs and Nicky Butt bought Salford, then a Northern Premier League outfit, the club are within an excellent chance of promotion to League One. The ex-United teammates Roy Keane and Oli Gunnar Solskjaer were in attendance at the Peninsula Stadium. And David Beckham, another of course of United's Class of 92, who took a 10% stake in Salford back in 2019, would have been proud of the excellent right-wing cross by Watt to set up the goal. As Smith grappled with Horsfall and attempted to meet Watts' delivery with a diving header, it was unclear whether the ball went in via the striker's shoulder or off the Stockport defender. The goal was credited to Smith and came 72 seconds after Stockport missed a glorious chance to take the lead when Ryan Crowsdale thumped the rebound against the bar after Connor Evans' shot had been parried by keeper Alex Cairns. I think the overwhelming feeling towards this match was that there was a lack of firepower and that really hampered the Hatters. Stockport's limited attacking options meant it was only going to be a testing night for Dave Challoner's side. Winners of the National League last year and chasing a second successive promotion, Stockport have enjoyed a fine campaign and had not lost since February and missed out on automatic promotion on the final day of the regular season. But with Witten, who had scored 14 goals a season having recently been sidelined, experienced forward Paddy Madden also missing the game along with a fellow attacker Will Collar was a major blow for the Hatters. Between them, the three players have scored 38 goals this season, so there was every chance the visitors would struggle in attack without them. That made Crowsdale's miss all the more glaring for Stockport, especially as they conceded at the other end immediately afterwards. He'd hit the target rather than the woodwork. The outcome might have been very, very different. Salford, on the other hand, had a constant threat up front in the Wiley Smith. The former Leeds, Fulham and QPR target man gave Horsfall major problems and put his team within sight of a trip to Wembley where the winners of the tie will face Carlisle United or Bradford City. Now, an interview time that I think might be the first time ever here on the EFL Review. Let's listen to Stockport County boss Dave Challoner. Dave, half-time in the tie, a, a cagey first leg really. Just give us your assessment of that and where you think it leaves us. Still right in the game, um, which again... Anyone who watched any playoff football last night will show, show its importance, and I think that's probably had a, um, an impact not just on everybody in terms of everybody outside of the, um, the, the, the playing group, but certainly within the playing group, um, because it, that can happen. Um, I thought we started the game tentatively, uh, first 10 minutes, and then these games often are about moments, and we had a moment where we have a chance, and, and then Crosby hits the, hits the bar, and then two minutes later they have a moment to score um, so that becomes the like say, the deciding factor I think second half although both teams tried to stay on the on the front foot there was a a reserved nature about what was there yes go and try and score but not other one than going from our perspective at conceding another one and from Salford's perspective as for, for, for conceding um, 
we know exactly where we stand now. Both teams know exactly where they stand. So we go into a, a normal 90-minute game with everything to play for. I think, as you say, those are the, the fine margins at this level. You hit the bar at one end, solve the score at the other. Uh, in terms of the goal, I mean, I've not seen it back personally, but I know that there is a claim that, that it was a foul on Fraser Horsfall. Have you you've seen that back? I've not, I've not seen it back. Um, listen, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. I think there, I think there was there was, and they're always going to be in football matches. There's going to be decisions that are debatable. Um, there's especially going to be decisions that are debatable when you're playing against, playing against Matt Smith because it's a physical contest. So, um, as, as I said before the game, sometimes things need to go in your favour. And if it's a foul, then it's a foul. We can't change that now. Um, there were some decisions throughout the game that, in, in my opinion, were, were wrong, but I'm quite sure there were some decisions throughout the game that Salford thought were wrong as well. So, it swings around about us, it is what it is. We have to we have to move on, we know where we stand, we look forward to next Saturday now, we have a week to prepare, um, potentially get some bodies back and see where see where we stand uh, back in the back end of this week. I mean considered that goal, I think particularly in the second half, I guess it becomes difficult in terms of knowing whether to stick or twist almost in terms of getting that balance right. As you say, you saw the Sheffield Wednesday result, what can happen if you do just aimlessly chase the game at that point? Listen, we're not we're not a team that aimlessly chase the game. We've always got control around um, plus one in terms of def- in terms of defensively or try to. Um, I still feel the way we we played in terms of how we went about it was the way to go about it, and we we could have played through. We could have been better in more belief around that last little bit to play a pass beyond the lines or to to play a, a, a switch a diag that was that was on all game we didn't do that enough um and there, there needs to be shackles off but again you're reliant on the players on the pitch being able to being able to do that and, and being able to play freely in for some of them what's been a, a different environment as much as um like i say we, we're we're in the position that we we deserve to be some Without naming, I've, I've not played in a game that has the magnitude of this, and we'll not play in it. We'll have not played in a game that has the magnitude of, of next Saturday with, with what's on the line. Um, but I feel pretty confident that the first part of the game today and, and the rest of the, part, the rest of the game after that will stand them in better stead going into going into into Saturday. We've got to be, like I say, really positive. Um, show real, real belief and real guts in terms of how we go about it, and I've, like I say, I'm really confident we can do that. How difficult was preparation this week? Because uh, I wouldn't use the term injury crisis, but it's certainly been a, a pat treatment room at Carrington this week. Yeah, listen, it's it's been tough, but as I've said, I've, 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 I don't think I've ever used the word decimated in my in my, in my managerial career, but we are. But for me, and, and that's why I said this before the game, for me that that brings opportunity. And it won't be used as an excuse. It is what it is. Listen, f- football is a game in this um, in this country played over eight nine months. We um, have missed players throughout the, the season, and I've been in a situation where we've been able to bring other players other players in to, to cover that. We're certainly with the, the team we started. That was our probably our ten fully fit outfield players um, that started that started the game to take. And take the, the younger younger players out of it, Cody and Ethan and people and people like that. Um, but that's where we are. Um, like I say, no one's got any. You look at the the playoff winners or the people who got promoted over the last however many years you want. It doesn't say oh, I don't know. Norwich got promoted, but Ipswich had loads of injuries. 
it is what it is. You got to you got to get on with it, um, and we will get on with it. So we hope that we'll have some back because it will undoubtedly make us stronger in terms of our squad. But we'll prepare with going into the game as as we as we have today. Um, hopefully the half an hour will do Ryan and there's no reaction there and Tanto um, the world are good um, and then we can hopefully pick a team that we think can go out and, and win the game next Saturday um, regardless of who that includes like I say I've got real belief in the players that that will, will be the case or we'll have a good chance to be able to do that so um, hopefully they prove me right You mentioned Ethan Pye there on the bench today obviously recalled from his long spell at, at Gateshead where he's had an exceptional season really was preparing to play at Wembley How's he? How's he taking that decision? What was the thinking behind the decision, and, and how good is it to have him back in the squad? Um, it was a difficult decision, a really difficult decision. We spoke to Ethan about it probably, probably three weeks or so ago. Um, and to be fair, he is a hundred percent happy being being here. Which, um, in his situation, from my perspective says a lot about him as a, as a as a person he wants to be at the football club he's got a huge future with us um, and he'll be part of what we do next year regardless of where we are um, he's had a brilliant season this year and, and for me taking like I say that opportunity away from a, a young player to play at Wembley was something I, I would I would certainly not take take lightly and we'll only do it if, if Ethan was comfortable with and he, and he, he absolutely is that um, we've got to make sure we, we repay that in terms of giving ourselves the opportunity to put to play at Wembley in a, in a promotion final, um, and hopefully that'll be the be the case. But um, he is, like I say, it's great to, great to have him back. He's been brilliant for us. We think his future is really really bright in terms of a left sided left sided centre back this year. We've done him the the world of good. Um, he's been great, and Gates have been great with with him. Um, so, like I say, really looking forward to uh, to working with him. Hopefully, he still gets the chance to to experience Wembley. Back to Edgeley Park now. Are you expecting a, a more open second leg, certainly from your point of view, in terms of needing to go and, uh, and attack the game really now? Yeah. I, not, uh, two-legged games are very strange. I think over the course of my managerial career of 13 years, I think I've, I think I've been involved in three. Um, <coughs> and th- th- they are tough to know how, how to attack them because you, you can go, just go and play the game. Yeah, great, go and play the game. And you look at... The records in terms of certainly look at playoff playoff records over the last eight years. So Championship, League One, League Two, only three teams out of 96 have come back from a two-goal deficit in the first leg to get promoted. Um, so it, it, it suggests that it's not done very very regularly. I think it would be suggest that it would be difficult for for Chef Wednesday to come back. Um, I think the last one to do. I think Northampton came back from two 0 down against. And maybe Cheltenham to to win win the the, the second leg three two. It doesn't happen. Um, so that was again that was important. But now it's ninety minutes. We're a goal down. We know exactly where we where we stand. Um, we've got to do everything, everything we can to to progress in the tie. And that could be ninety. It doesn't have to be in the first. But that could be ninety minutes, hundred and twenty minutes penalties. It doesn't matter. It's whatever it takes. Um, and hopefully that'll be the case. I'm sure it'll be a, another sellout at Edgeley Park as well. I'm backed by ten thousand county fans. You certainly back yourself with those guys behind you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, these um, these playoffs will bring lots of different eventualities. Ultimately, we finished in fourth fourth place and the, have the potential advantage. If you want to look at the advantage of playing the second second leg at home in front of our own supporters, we've got to make sure that is an advantage. Other supporters will do their job. It's our job to make sure they are in the game for for ninety minutes. Um, and 
what happens on the night is something they're all all pleased to pleased to see. Um, and ultimately, it's about progressing and making sure we give them the opportunity to um, come and watch us again this season. Thanks for your time, Dave. Thank you. So, that leaves us one final game left to review tonight, and that took place on Sunday night. It finished Bradford City 1, Carlisle United 0. Bradford will take a slender advantage into the second leg of their League 2 playoff semi-final with Carlisle. The Bantams took the lead when Jamie Walker sent a clinical strike beyond Gumprian's goalkeeper Thomas Holy from Scott Banks's flick. The away side improved as the first half went on, but failed to force homekeeper Harry Lewis into a save of note. Carlisle carried on when they, where they left off after the break, but will go into the second leg on Saturday just a goal behind. Jack Armour sent a shot into the side netting, before subs Ryan Edmondson and Christian Dennis both failed to hit the target from decent opportunities for the visitors. After a physical encounter between two evenly matched sides, both will back themselves to get the result they need at Brunton Park to face either Salford or Stockport in the final at Wembley on Sunday the 28th of May. Mark Hughes' men took a deserved lead when former Hearts player Walker crunched a bouncing ball under Holy after a strong forward play from League 2's top scorer Andy Cook and a neat hook onwards from Banks. Walker then drilled a shot past the post as Bradford looked to uh, make the most of their four record fourth-tier playoff semi-final match attendance of 20,575. To their credit, Carlisle withstood the pressure and grew into the contest, and defender Corey Whelan should have done better with a headed clear chance before the interval. Edmondson's introduction gave Paul Simpson's men a more mobile presence at the top end of the pitch. He harried Romany Critchlow into the error on the byline and sent a cross shot through the legs of Lewis before the onrushing armour sent his effort narrowly wide. Former Leeds forward Edmondson then headed over from an excellent armour centre and fellow substitute Christian Dennis hacked an effort wide after going round Lewis. All to play for in the second leg with plenty of excitement. I should certainly hope so. I will be going next week. With that in mind, let's listen to Carlisle United boss Paul Simpson. Paul, first things first, I think we've got to be extremely proud of that performance. Oh, I am. I'm massively proud of what we've just shown out there tonight. Um, I thought we were a little bit nervous to start the game, I accept that, um, but probably when the goal, after the goal, I thought we properly took a grip of the game, I thought we created some fantastic chances. Um, unfortunately, over the last month or two, it's been the story that we've talked about, not finishing those chances, and I, I don't know how many we've had, it must have been four, five, maybe even six really good chances. Um, I just thought the performance, the energy, the personality that we showed was fantastic. And that starters, that was the finishers who came on, I thought they made an impact. And um, it's given us real belief to take into the next game now. It's not just the chances, it's the areas we got into as well. We were in good areas so many times, there's a lot to check out of this. Yeah, we were. I thought we put some really good crosses in as well. Jack Armour, Taylor Charters. Um, we, we got into some good positions. It's just getting that final little bit right. It's getting that final finish on it, which we didn't quite have today. Um, you know, I think of, of Ryan Edmondson's header where he looks like he's stretching. And I don't know whether it was whether it's a, as good a chance as it seemed. Christian Dennis, I thought the goalkeeper did really well because he stood up long enough. I think Denno was wanting to just dink it, and he stood up and gave us a problem. Um, we've had some good chances, um, and I think we've shown 
that we can compete against these. Uh, we've shown that we can handle the occasion um, after that early, early little bit of nervousness, um, and it's given us some real belief to take into the game at home. You've said it there, the occasion like this, it can be energy sapping. We went the other way, we used it to fuel what we were doing. Uh, without a doubt, I thought we showed real energy about us. I know that we've got fit players in there, even the lads who are coming off the bench, they've got energy, they've got power, and I think they've shown it tonight. And um, you know, they were hanging on in the end. I know they kept going for it a little bit, but they were hanging on in the end, and we weren't. We just weren't able to get that little bit of quality in that final third to go and finish things off properly. The goal for, for us watching was really frustrating because we seemed to be so well set defensively for the rest of the 90 minutes. Well, I think we won the first header. I think if I remember rightly, it might have been Callum. I thought he won the first header. The next header's come back on quickly um, and, and he's, he's put the lad in. Maybe we should have cleared it when, when Jack Armour's come across. We were a little bit on our heels um, and he stuck it away really well. Um, they had a couple of other half chances first half, but overall, I think we've created the better chances. I think we've, we've dealt with the game really well. They'll be delighted at, at winning 1-0 um, because we've had some real, real good chances um, and it certainly sets it up for the second leg. What did you say at that half-time because we really went for it second half? We just said we needed to take a little bit more care on our passing. We were a little bit... Um, I don't know, a little bit sloppy in the first half, so we just said to take a little bit of extra care, to move the ball a little bit quicker and be prepared to run in behind because that's where we'll cause problems. And again, I'll say it, I thought we did cause them problems without actually probably working the goalkeeper enough. I mean, a couple of those set plays, I don't know how, I think there was two of them, I, I half jumped up thinking they'd gone in, one first half, one second half. Um, we're a threat. When we get that delivery right, when we get the desire to go and get on the end of it, and when we get people running in behind, we've shown this evening that, that we can be a threat and we've got to do it again on Saturday. We have to be even more of a threat and, and finish things off, but I think we've shown that we're, we're more than capable of getting a result at home. Those two lads, the, the two changes that you made, it backs up exactly what you said last week. When we make these changes, they come in and they perform. Yeah, they do. Um, I felt a bit sorry for Joe Garner tonight. I, w I thought it was incredible. I mean, five times he's been smashed off the ball today in the first half. Um, I just hope the referees are homer when we're playing at Brunton Park next Saturday because I thought he was today. Um, I don't think that's the reason that we've lost the game 1-0, but there were so many decisions that he has given in their favour and he's not given us anything. And that's really frustrating because I think this guy's a good referee. On today's performance, I thought he was good for the home team, but not for us. Some of the passages of play were a pleasure to watch. Yeah, they were brilliant. Some real good football, real composure as well. We, we stretched them, we got into wide areas, and we got decent balls in, particularly from the left-hand side. Maybe needed a bit better quality from the right. Um, but we've, we've had some good control possession against a really good Bradford City side. They're, let's not underestimate them. They're a good side. They've got good players. And I think this has been a fantastic advert for League Two football. I thought the whole crowd were magnificent. The atmosphere that, that the, the Bradford fans created before the game, the noise they made during the game, especially when they scored. But fair play to our fans. They have backed us today. They have come in the numbers. They have made an incredible noise. And I'm really looking forward to seeing them come out again in numbers for our game next weekend. What do you say in the huddle at the end? I just said we've shown that we can compete. We've shown that we've got an enough... The only thing missing today was the finish um, and we have to get back to finishing next weekend and if we do that, we can certainly win this tie. It's massively set up, you said that right at the start. Mm, oh, it is an half set up. You know, we, 
the big, big thing today, I came to win this game, we wanted to win this game today, but the most important thing is to stay in the tie. Now I know we've given them a goal start going into next Saturday, but if we can go and play the same way that we have done for the majority of that game and create those chances, I really think that we have players who can score. At times, that two and a half thousand out, some eighteen thousand. That was a pleasure to watch, wasn't it? They were magnificent. Fair play to them. They've been an absolute credit to this football club all season. Our supporters, and I do think Bradford City have been a credit to their supporters. Have been a credit to them as well today. Um, this was a two football teams wanting to go hammer and tong, doing it properly. Um, sets of supporters who've done it properly, who've supported their teams. Now we need it again on Saturday. Now we need to get them in in the numbers again this weekend and hopefully we can put on a performance, get the finish at the end of the, the chances we're creating and let's see where it takes us. The waterworks is ours. All four sides of that ground packed next Saturday. That would make a huge difference. Oh, it's going to make a difference, yeah. We need them. We desperately need them next weekend. I think the players have, have responded after a nervous start today. They've responded to the atmosphere, to the crowd, to our fans encouraging them. They've shown a level of performance that's been really, really pleasing um, now we need another one we need another one to give us a chance of a third game thanks for your time really really exciting there playoff final uh, playoff football I always find particularly exciting just so much trepidation sometimes it can lead to cagey matches you know sort of the nil-nils between Coventry and Middlesbrough is a really good example of that and sometimes people absolutely go for it you know a bit like Peterborough Really, really excited for that. So just before we go, let's quickly take uh, just a reminder of when all the second legs will be taking place over the next couple of days. Um, by the next time we release our uh, next EFL review, we'll have covered at least half of them. So in League Two, we'll work backwards just because my uh, computer has let me do so. Saturday the 20th of May which we will preview, of course, in next week's episode. Uh, at half past 12, we've got Stockport County versus Salford. And then at three o'clock, and we will certainly involve me in the stands, Carlisle United versus Bradford City. Both of them, or all four teams, will be competing for, of course, the playoff final, which for League Two is taking place on Sunday, the 28th of May. All of them having to make a long trip down to London, as, of course, all of them are deep in Northern England. On to League One then. On Thursday night, we have Sheffield Wednesday versus Peterborough United. Can Sheffield Wednesday turn around a 4-0 deficit? It will be extremely unlikely. But if anyone's going to be inconsistent over the course of the League One season, it's Peterborough United. A much more cagey affair and very, very tense, whichever way you look at it. Friday the 19th of May, we'll see Barnsley entertain Bolton Wanderers at Oakwell. Monday the 29th of May will be the date for the eventual League One playoff final. A date all loved by Yeovil Town fans. And finally, take a look at the Championship then. On Tuesday the 16th of May we will have Luton Town versus Sunderland. Of course, Sunderland going in with a one goal to the good. And on Wednesday the 17th of May, Middlesbrough entertain Coventry, which of course is a very, very exciting nil-nil draw. Catch that online or on uh, any form of watching device that you possibly can. That one, I think, will be particularly interesting. The final will be taking place at Wembley on Saturday the 27th of May. So... With that done and dusted, that brings us to the end of this week's slightly different EFL review. I hope you've certainly enjoyed it. I haven't been talking at 100 miles an hour, as of course we've only had six games left to cover. So, we will be back next week to cover all the excitement of at least, well, half of the League One playoffs, 
all of the championship and plenty of build-up going into the League 2 playoffs. So, with that further ado, I hope you have a lovely rest of your week. Thank you very much for listening, and goodbye.